obviously go, leaning into Greek mythology makes sense, but oh my God, there's so much amazing Chinese, you know, mythology we could we could have, you know, be fighting against dragons. I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this point. My point <laughs> is, it's there, and it would I don't be cool. Think you'd fight dragons in Assassin's Creed, right? Like, well, it'd, it'd probably be a, a wyvern. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you tried to pronounce it because I've never been able to. It's a wyvern. everybody welcome to sin news the inside gaming podcast where we talk all about video games i am brian your host and now the boys are going to introduce themselves please evan please go ahead uh, oh, oh, uh i am evan campbell uh, and i'm here an editor i don't know what i always get a little bit confused at this part i don't know why it's it should be the easiest part of the show it never yeah, goes should. well it has no. never gone well it will never go well no no well yeah, uh, I'm Zach. Uh, I am also here, and uh, thank you, Evan, for for making sure that we had the <laughs> smoothest intro we could possible. So now all I have to do is just address that, and we're golden, baby. It's kind of fe- it feels like I was thrown under the the bus a little bit there. It's okay. No, you're no. new. You're new. That's your job. <laughs> you're new for the channel. Um, all right, let's talk about the big news of the week. And number one, I think there are two big stories this week, but. One of them, definitely, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was announced. Uh, They had a nice teaser trailer. They gave a bunch of info about the game. It's coming holiday 2020. And as was rumored, Valhalla is going to be starring Vikings. It's all about Vikings. We're in England during the Dark Ages. We're raiding the English coast. We're trying to find a home for our people. It looked cool. I don't know what it, what did you guys think of? It? Yeah, no, I mean it's I, I I that dude is just basically Garrett Headland or whatever. Who's the guy from Sons of Anarchy? Is that his name? The guy from Pacific Rim. I don't know. He, he reminds me of that dude. And I and I uh, I appreciated though that uh, we got a cast of characters, another white male. It's finally, good to be back. Uh, <laughs> Woo, we can't have a we few. Did it. We yeah. did it, boys. No, in in all honesty though, that that um, whether you love or hate. Assassin's Creed, man, Ubisoft knows how to make a trailer, and that um, they're just getting so far away from the Assassin's Creed's initial kind of pitch, which was just you know a stealth action assassination game, and now it's just like battlefields and like the polar opposite of stealth. But it's it's big open blade. world adventure games now. Yeah, 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 we get the wrist blade, so that was at least a little assassiny. Yeah, I hmm, I wonder. It's too early for me to have this take, but honestly, I. I was almost a little bit underwhelmed, kind of, and I don't know if it's just because I dropped off Assassin's Creed like way back on like Brotherhood or something, um, like skipped over Black Flag, skipped over um, Odyssey, and also oh, Black Flag was great. Yeah, it. that's that's what I heard. I, it did have like a lot of technical problems though, right? When it was it was like PS4 launch window era, right? Yeah, I Is think that, there that were game? some issues, but yeah, um, I really enjoyed Odyssey. Um, it it, uh, it has gone through quite a change uh, from, yeah, just being sort of a stealth, you know, uh, uh, action game to it's they broadened it. Uh, the worlds have gotten just massive now. Um, the, you know, there, there's all this lore, which I, I don't mind, but it is uh, it's very different. As some people online brought up a great point. How are you going to stealth around in the English countryside? Not not a lot of buildings to hide well, behind. If you guys find a way to make that work, you know? down, you know that there's plenty of moors and hills and valleys and hedgerows, things like that that you could easily hide behind. And then when your enemy is coming up near you, you just do the yeah. little Fortnite, pop out of the bush, bing, bang, boom, hide back, get back <laughs> in that bush with your stealth blade. Yeah. I, it seemed, it pr- makes sense to me. I don't know. I think it's probably a Viking's greatest weapon, right? I was thinking about this stealth, before this, yeah. this tra- trailer launch, right? Because generally Vikings are not known for their stealthiness. But what's the, you know, what is England to do if Vikings are also stealthy and loud? <laughs> yeah, I, I think of sort of just crazy berserkers. Uh, here, Here's a little story blurb. Uh, Driven from Norway by endless wars and dwindling resources in 9th century A.D., Players will lead Aviors, clan of Norsemen across the icy North Sea to the rich lands of England's broken kingdoms. And uh, specifically, there's going to be King Alfred of Wessex, 
who denounces you and your Viking people as heathen. Uh, he looks uh, to be the sole ruler of a civilized England. I, I'm wondering if they're kind of setting up where you seem like the bad guys at first and the king seems like a good guy, but maybe uh, you're actually the assassin and the king <laughs> is like a secret Templar or something like that. I mean, they're, they're going to uh -huh. have to do some weird narrative gymnastics to get around the fact that like the Vikings, historically speaking, at least, um, weren't the best neighbors like they they, they, they i'm not gonna go so far as to say they were bad people because that was just you know their way of life but like when the vikings you know they raped and pillaged and burned and all that shirt and oh, it's you like mean, you mean like that part in the trailer when that viking came across no, the woman and don't. the child and let them go yeah is that what, as, is that as her house is, is burning to cinders he's like no no no, please we're good vikings we can't go that far yeah but, well you know but the but yeah i mean like it to, to make them to paint them as, I think Brian's correct though, that to paint them as a, um, as a, a, a like a protagonist that you can empathize with, like they're definitely going to have to do some weird intrigue shit where it's like, oh, like how do we portray the Vikings as not these invaders because you are literally invading a land that is not yours. So, uh, I mean, but who are they invading against really? And and like, I don't know. I, I feel like Viking media in general has done it before and i love viking stuff i don't mean to like come down hard on this trailer i think it's a really impressive looking trailer i think you know conceptually those games are getting a lot better there's like a weird thing with all ubisoft games where they're kind of taking the best parts of everything and putting it into each of their like individual franchises which i think is really really cool and exciting um i guess the part that i was a little underwhelmed with was just like the reveal of the hidden blade because i'd missed so many games i didn't even know it was gone and i was like oh that's how they're gonna beat that guy i thought like they're going to do some weird alternate history thing where like assassins show up and help them win this fight or something. But yeah, like you're saying, Zach, historically, you know, the Vikings don't win. They're not the winners. Yeah, it'll it'll I'm totally waiting to piggyback off of Brian's point for them to paint the Vikings as like, oh, we're here to liberate the poor people of of England who are being uh, spat <laughs> down upon by King Ed Edward of there Wessex or yeah. whatever. And it'll yeah, be like, yeah, you're yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, you're there. They're valiant liberators coming in to save them. I, I thought it was cool. It, it was interesting because. If, if you watch it, you, you just see these crazy Vikings invading and just like destroying stuff. And then at the end, you realize, oh, I'm supposed to empathize with these guys, um, which is kind of funny. And I say that as someone who, yeah, loves Vikings and North mythology, Norse mythology and thinks it's all really cool. Um, the, the quality of just the cinematics yeah. was pretty darn awesome. Yeah, you like, can't knock that. Yeah, for sure. Just yeah. like uh, almost photorealism at some point. I mean, like you said, Ubisoft can really, really do some awesome cinematics when they want to. I think the thing for me is it just took me back to Assassin's Creed 3 when we saw the and it was like the same situation where like how are you going to do stealth in a Civil War era? And, you know, they figured right. it out. But, you know, revolutionary game, war. Yeah, Get sorry. it right. Sorry. I think that ending sequence of Assassin's Creed 3 is like kind of what did it for me. And it scarred me so bad that I've been just afraid, afraid to go back. And that game was a messy game narratively and the history and stuff. Like, that's my fear, I guess, is that I'm just worried that they have a lot of different moving parts here. And, and you know, you're not going to figure that stuff out with just one trailer. It seems really cool. I saw a story earlier that there's like 15 studios or something collaborating on this game. It's yeah. going to be massive. Yeah. Um, uh, Ubisoft Montreal uh, sort of tweeted congratulations for the revealed trailer and said something like, us and the other, you know, 14 studios working <laughs> on this. So they have got all hands on deck for this. I mean, it is oh, um, like on deck with uh, a long Viking long boat. Uh, that's right. There you go. Just every, everybody's rowing the, uh, the long boat, so to speak. And, and Ubisoft needs this to be a hit. They, they haven't had a, a real big game out lately. And it's just been, uh, I mean, ghost recon Breakpoint came out in October. It was a huge disaster. They had to write down their profits. So they're kind of going to old faithful now in terms of Assassin's Creed, but I, you know, it, it looked cool. I don't know. Uh, it, there have been a lot of leaks about this game. I think most, most of them are true. Um, it looks very, you know, violent. Uh, I, I'm wondering how much do y'all think this was kind of inspired by God of War or at least the success it has? Um, I, I was uh, getting a, some vibes from that. Uh, I mean, bear in mind, this game's been, when did God of War come out? 
2017? I think it was 2018, yeah. right? Or so, uh, I don't remember. But like 2017 or 2018, yeah. This game's definitely been in development since before well, Odyssey dropped, right? I mean, like... Yeah, they, I guess so. They have to have at least started production on it, and Odyssey was 2017. I don't know. It's like... That I think like maybe just Vikings in the in media right now are having a little bit of a resurgence with like the shows and you've got Thor and you've got uh, like you said God of War and stuff like that. God of so, War was twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. Okay. So Sorry, I, I feel bad. like it's one of those things where where you know studios get catch wind of another studio making something similar. It's it's like the same thing of how we get like Olympus has fallen and White House down. It's like well if they're gonna make a White House destruction movie, I gotta make one too. Yeah, maybe. It's <laughs> yeah, just, when there were all the like big asteroid movies and yeah, the late deep 90s. impact in Armageddon. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think the thing to remember too, and this comes up a lot, right, where you feel like you can kind of see the wheels turning in the giant marketing machine at each of these giant companies, and it's like they go through similar um, like prototyping processes, right, and like. Uh, reference art processes they all are looking at the same game industry and they're looking for gaps in what's missing and yeah, you know right. it's not surprising that they come up with the same con- 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 with the same conclusion that oh there hasn't been a viking game like a really good viking game for a while we can do that but i, I did see zach your tweet earlier about the the shogunate i mean people have been waiting for a, a yeah an assassin's yeah. creed set in feudal japan forever yeah. or right. even like a, a cyber Tokyo would be incredible as well, right? That that just seems like such a no-brainer that, that that they haven't gone there yet. I'm sure they will at some point, but uh, what a what a, a rich history that that they could you know mine. I, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. I saw some people mad about that, and I I I it took me a, a minute, like I because I was in the replies of that tweet um, and responded to someone, and it made me realize like, oh well, I, I guess. To be fair, the series did start in Asia, uh, but like it's not mm. – I mean I, it, you'd think that it would have been w- way earlier before they hit the like you said the very rich kind of like visual language of the of the Far East Asia. And it was – it's just like, dude, you don't even have to be Japan. Like feudal Japan would be awesome, but like you could set it – you could do like a Jade Empire influenced thing. Oh my god, Three Kingdoms, three China. Ki- yeah, I mean, I mean and Odyssey showed that they're – they're totally down with going like leaning into the myth, you know, mythology of, of that part of the world or of whatever part of the world they're working with. And so it's like, obviously go leaning into Greek mythology makes sense, but Oh my God, there's so much amazing Chinese, you know, mythology. We could, we could have, you know, be fighting against dragons. I don't, I don't know. I'm an expert in this point. My point <laughs> is it's there and it would be cool. Think you'd fight dragons in Assassin's Creed, right? Like sometimes you fight animals, right? But not but usually. It'd, it'd probably be a, a wyvern. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you tried to pronounce it because I've never been able to. So thank it's you. It's a wyvern. <laughs> wyvern, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm wondering. How do, do you feel like the series is on a bit of a rebound? I mean, we've had Origins and Odyssey. That that seems to have been a, a bit of a reboot for the series. Connor um, actually brought up a really good point in the Daily today, where he was he he made the point that it, it seems like it took less time than ever for the series after its reboot to go back to its old ways of just adding extra shit. So it's like <laughs> yeah. our origins was like, okay, like we took our, we took our like time off and we're back and we stripped everything away. And like, this is the, this is the rebrand of Assassin's Creed this is Assassin's Creed zero. And then it was just like, okay, Odyssey took eight hours to roll the intro credits. So that was a thing. And you could get the $170, you know, bundle that comes with the Spartan helmet and naval battleship skins and whatever. I just, I don't know. I'm like, it already feels to me, you get that gut feeling where it's like, there's settlements to make in this game and there's going to be so many little extra trimmings that we don't want to deal with. It's interesting because it's such a huge franchise for Ubisoft. And I do think there's that temptation to just add and add and add and add and add, because Mm. if I think if you just, I think if you're just proposing a very sort of stripped down Assassin's Creed, I think the way um, a big corporation like this works, you're in a meeting and, and then all of a sudden people are like, yeah, but what if we, but but we still need this and we still need settlements and raids (laughs) and you know what I mean? All of a sudden it, I think it just becomes impossible almost to to have kind of a minimalistic Assassin's Creed game, at least right now, because it's gotten so big. Uh, there's so many teams involved. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I just don't see it happening. It's, it's just that feature creep just kind of takes over. Yeah, I think if they can dial that stuff back and kind of focus it in a way where yeah. it's, it's really made clear that it's super optional and you don't have to do it, like that might be one way to get around it. 
um, where you kind of have to find that stuff around and it's more organic, but it doesn't really been their style. That's one thing I really like. Yeah, when games do that, it's like, here, here's a bunch of optional stuff. If you want to do that, that's fine, but if you want to just plow ahead with the story, you can do that too. The thing that Final Fantasy Remake did is like, there's like only four or five. I mean, that game kind of drags in some of those spots, but it felt like, at least in the first area, the first town, there was like four side quests, and it's like, okay, that's manageable. It's not like there's 30 versions of this same side quest, right, which we kind of get in the Ubisoft creep um, but I don't know, like, I think this game, this game could bring me back in, but I think the overwhelming nature of that kind of Ubisoft open world game, like I would just have to force myself to go, uh, just to like not get collectibles and just like mainline the story. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to play an Assassin's Creed, because I think another interesting part of it is some of that extended kind of fiction stuff where it ties into everything. And, you know, there's diehard Assassin's Creed fans, like there isn't of anything else. And they've just got, uh, just tons and tons of literature, stacks and stacks of drives of text documents and things and, and piecing puzzles together. Like that used to be a big thing about Assassin's Creed. It's yeah, like, totally. Yeah, like all these weird esoteric puzzles and stuff that re relate to real world history and like the in-game fiction. Um, you know, like I saw people tweeting today about like in Assassin's Creed canon, George W. Bush is a Templar. Like that's just <laughs> that world, you know? That's funny. Yeah, it's... um. Uh, it's so interesting, and I I hope for Ubisoft's sake that it is a hit because I think uh, the industry's better when we have more players, and I would like to see them you know remain strong. Uh, but also, they, uh, hopefully, it's a good game, and and they've you know uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think I think they've been hit and miss lately, but I, I think they can still uh, bring it when they need to. Totally. But bring it, Ubi. Bring it. Bring it. All right, uh, let's move on to the next story. And really, this is the other kind of big story of the week. It was kind of a one-two punch, but this happened earlier. The Last of Us 2, there were leaks posted, spoilers posted online for pretty much the whole game. And fair warning, we're not going to spoil anything. We're not going to get into the, the, the details of the spoilers, so don't worry. But this was a, a massive deal and almost immediately after they were posted, uh, Sony came out and gave a release date for uh, the game. So it, it kind of felt like it drove Sony's decision to say, yep, okay, it's coming out June 19th now. And, uh, and then also, like, Ghost of Tsushima got a release date too, so it was funny. Um, I, I don't know. I think these leaks uh, suck, yeah. but <laughs> That's I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it. I. I feel bad if you're just sort of cruising around the internet and you just accidentally get it spoiled. That happened to me with like Infinity War, mm. and it sucked, mm -hmm. and I hated it. I, I. I wonder how much, though, for the casual gamer, this really matters, though. You know. Oh man, it hurts. Like my heart hurts just thinking about all of this. And yeah, I think there was like rumors going around that it was caused by like a disgruntled employee who had yeah. you know access to the footage and and i mean that stuff is unsubstantiated really like if you try to track that down which i did um it just it's based on like the way that the footage looks so it's it's kind of an assumption but that hasn't been confirmed anywhere so uh you know people using that as like kind of a t talking point for labor practices and unionizing and stuff like that's all well and good but just remember that's like uh, that's that's not conf like officially confirmed in, in any capacity. It, yeah, right. That but that's been the rumor. And right. hey, l we have to be honest. Uh, Naughty Dog has a terrible reputation for crunch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, you know, I, I saw people sort of going, "Well, this isn't the way to go about it." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I so um, you know, uh, certain other uh, journalists uh, took issue with that. Uh, <laughs> Particular friends who, of the show, you might say. Yeah, people who have no problem reporting leaks all the time, otherwise. <laughs> but um, I, I don't really condone it. But you, if you treat people like shit all the time, you mm -hmm. have to expect things like this to happen. And I think Naughty Dog, they're not the only ones, but they um. Uh, work their employees uh, in a in a just brutal manner, and I think sometimes this stuff happens. And and if you treat people right, I I don't know. Uh, I I I find it too, I find it a little bit. I, I'm sorry for people who got the game spoiled. I'm not sorry for Naughty Dog at all. I'm kind of sorry <laughs> for the devs who like have been toiling away on this, and uh, I I don't know that there's. 
it's the argument, still gonna sell. It's yeah, still gonna it sell should be just fine, fine, right? Yeah. Um, but I think you're right for the most part. Like the idea that like, oh no, the marketing push for this game is now completely ruined. Like that hurts the top brass, right? Like the the very top, and that's like. Right. Nobody, that's not a really a big deal, but I think, like, the expectation and the passion and the work that, like, all these other devs put into, like, hopefully they can present the game in the best way possible. I'm sure that they're super bummed and, and that part sucks. Sure, yeah. Uh, does, I hope it doesn't hurt people in the trenches. You yeah, know? exactly. But I yeah. feel like a few thousand people reading spoilers or however, you know, I, I it's still The Last of Us 2. I, I think people are still going to buy yeah, it. I, I think mean, they're going to be okay. A, like a massive portion of the people that are going to buy this game probably as we sit here and record this have no idea that there was a leak exactly. and don't follow exactly. games yes. industries like obviously within our very small pocket of the industry there's it's, it's a huge deal right. um, and there's tons of diehard fans that are obviously aware of the spoiler whether they know it or not um, but yeah I mean like Last of Us was a watershed game for PS3 it was a watershed game when they remastered it for PS4 and the same yep. thing will be true with Last of Us 2 and there will be a whole market of people that have never even heard of Last of Us will buy it based off the box art and this this I really think that come a year from now will be like oh yeah that was completely inconsequential yeah that, that does speak to your original question Brian of like does the average uh gamer care about this and I think like even for me as somebody whose job is to pay attention to like game news and we yeah. you know we cover games here yeah uh, like I've been able to dodge all that stuff very easily I haven't yeah. put any yeah. right like haven't blocked any tags on Twitter I follow like thousands of people just because of the nature of our work and uh like I haven't had any problems yet and I hope it doesn't get spoiled for me but even if it does uh, you know, one of the strongest qualities of those Naughty Dog titles is like the execution of them. So I feel like even if, and this is maybe just like a general philosophy on spoilers in general, and a lot of us who like play games and like mess around in the space, like spoilers can happen and they do happen. And, and they, sometimes they it's happen like, for all the Star Wars movies, they yeah. happen for the Avengers movies. I, I think. Uh, honestly, I think the fact that your game is big enough to have spoilers leaked out out there is good. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's a good it's a good sign. I I don't think no, they're not great, and and it's not. Again, it sucks if you got the game spoiled for you. I feel bad, and yes, if you worked on the game, I can see how that would be very, very frustrating. Yeah, and uh, it reminds me of um, remember when Halo Two leaked, like in France or something, right? Like there, it, it like straight up leaked, and I think there was even like burned copies and stuff going around. Um, and I feel like we barely talk about that. Like people barely remember that, and that was a huge I have game. No at idea the time. what you're talking about. I didn't I know didn't that even, was a I, thing. For, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Halo Two had a huge leak, and uh, yeah, it was like months. Yeah, it was like two or three months early, and that had a huge twist too. Um, and somehow, remarkably, I managed to be unspoiled for that. But like, you know, every person is different in in, in different circumstances. So like, uh, yeah, I guess if you don't want spoilers, just be careful out there and yeah, block yeah. those tags and stuff. But yeah, it, it, it is avoidable, I think, but it still sucks. I, I think it is. Um, I, you know. There, there's also definitely a backlash to the game in certain corners of the internet. Um, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but um, I, I don't know if it has to do with Ellie or like, you know, obviously they're, <laughs> they're uh, doing a lot of her being a lesbian and all that. And it seems like some people Ugh, have an issue with that. I don't, but, but, where, where does this come from? Like, where is this backlash coming from? I oh. mean, I mean. To be fair, uh, yeah, you're introducing uh, Ellie. Ellie was only slightly hinted at uh, being, you know, being gay in the in the first game, and then in the the DLC, the DLC was, it, yeah. was right. It was when it was like confirmed, um, and I think that was done in a uh, very tasteful, very good way. That I I would be, I think you would be hard pressed, even if you were to vehemently like anti-gay that I think you wouldn't find that that story was told in a really moving way in a way that was like substantive. And I would, I would hope that that story maybe converted a lot of people and opened some people's minds. But like at the end of the day, that launch trailer reveal trailer for last of us two, there's Ellie and she's like, make it out with the girl in the barn. And it's like, yeah. I, like at the end of the day, we live in a fucking puritanical world. That's going to get pissed off by it. And I hate, I hate thinking that like the main gripe that a lot of people have with this game coming up it has to do with Ellie's sexual orientation but I I think it's a bigger deal than a lot of people realize as far as like a turnoff for certain people I, I heard some arguments that well the first one the first one told such a, a good story a good contained story there's no reason to add to it I agree the yeah. first one was amazing I loved the story of it 
but the reality is it was hugely successful. I, I think it's one of the best games, certainly of its generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's certainly up there, you know, in the, in the pantheon, I think they're going to make a sequel. That's just, that's how business works. Yeah. They're going to well, make more. Of and the, the idea that I think the, uh, the other thing that I'm seeing people uh, pissed off, because Ellie does seem to be the focal point of a lot of the rage, but it, it, the, the other point, regardless of her sexual orientation is that it seems like this game you are playing for the most part as Ellie. And whereas, you know, in stark contrast to playing as Joel in the first game. And it's like, well, uh, like, do you really think like when that section on the first game, like you play as Ellie and that was a really novel moment. And like that really gave some much That's needed right. life to the gameplay. That's and it's right. like, I, I wonder if, I don't know, like, like you, we have no idea what the actual like pie chart of, of who you'll be playing as whatever. So like a, if playing as Ellie is pissing you off before you even had your hands on the game. Okay. Get fucked. And then B like who, who is to say that we will only play as Ellie there. Maybe they will set up, another character that we've yet to be introduced to and, and try to start expanding that world. Cause I know that was like a thing that people wanted was more world building around the, the enclaves and shit. So yeah, right. Cause they had sort of hooked up with this community. Yeah. It, it's just, I guess it's just crazy to me that to think that in 2020 people would be mad about a lesbian protagonist. It just, it just seems insane yeah. to me. Yeah. And I'm saying this as somebody who's grown up in Texas my whole life, but still it's, uh, yeah. it's nuts, but all right. Well, uh, oh, one note, uh, Neil Druckmann uh, tweeted after the leaks happened, heartbroken for the team, heartbroken for our fans. We're still incredibly excited to get the game into your hands. And Naughty Dog also said, uh, basically tried to urge people not to share the spoilers and said, no matter what you see in here, the final experience will be worth it. Um, uh, for you guys, does this change your, like if, uh, because this this was leaked, does it change your decision whether to buy it one way or the other? Oh God, no! No, are you kidding me? God, no! Yeah, I mean, if it, yeah, because not at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, me. it, it, even if it weren't like part of our our scope of work to cover this game, like uh, no, not at all. I mean, I've seen bigger movies with larger spoilers and still gone in with just as much excitement. So no, I'm not worried at all. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's wild. Yeah, I think everything we've we've kind of covered everything but yeah it doesn't change anything i think even a lot of the people who are still mad are still gonna buy this game it's i think that's so true i think people like to complain but i don't think they want to be left out either and not play it if they show ellie scissoring though i'm done i'm out (laughs) too much i'm sorry maybe i'm a little old but lesbians (laughs) used to be really hot so uh i'm all on board um you're not straight if you don't think two girls kissing is real cool. Uh, that's right. Uh, lesbian relationships are awesome. I'm just kidding. Not fetishizing anybody. Do what you want. God bless you. Um, all right. Let's move on. Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's out. It, it's been a, a, a big hit. It's it's done well. Um, they interviewed. Who interviewed? It was uh, in the lore book. Final Fantasy VII Remake Ultimania. Yeah. They talked to the director uh, Nomura, who um, he's kind of legendary for dragging his feet on games, and basically said um, they asked him how many parts the remake is going to be because obviously the first installment was just in Midgar. That's only like five to six hours if you played the original. Um, he said it all depends basically on how many parts we make. If we separate it into bigger chunks, it will take more time. But if we take smaller portions, it can be done on a shorter time span. He's basically saying he would rather have more installments and make them faster. But Jesus Christ, uh, how long is this thing going to be? That it, it it seems to to me uh, bring up Nomura's worst qualities, which is uh, kind of being a little bit of a perfectionist. And, and just taking a long time and uh, it's just scary because the first one was good. <laughs> yeah. I liked yeah, it, it's but good. it also it's, took five years. It's, I mean, it, the, the uh, I'll echo the kind of what I'm hearing is like the majority of concern of this is not so much. Uh, it's, it's the, it's like the longevity of it and like the actual direction. I mean, like Yoshinori Kitase gave that quote and was like, we have a rough idea on where it's going, but it's not completely yeah. decided yet. He was like, it's, it's impossible to talk about this all at this point. You know, we, we would like to see it become a trilogy. We like, but like, that is a very arbitrary well, he thing. Said, he said, it seems many people think it will become a trilogy. Or, yeah. Many people think it'll become a trilogy. Thank you. Yeah. And which and would be like, great. Please be a trilogy. I would love that. Well, I, did, I mean, it's like, and I, I brought, I brought this up uh, on, I think it was like one of the streams you're doing where it was like, look, like we've waited 
um, lo- like longer amounts of time between like sequels of games and, and nobody like takes issue with that. So I think as long as they approach it as, as like each game really is worth that like $60 value and like each game really does feel like it's worth your time and effort without yes, feeling bloated. Right. Cause I know a lot of people are disgruntled about the idea of like, Oh, well I have to pay $60 four or five times to get the story that I played, you know, in 1997. And it's like, well, if they, if they, if it's substantive and it's not just filled with bloat filler shit, to make you again do the pay pay the sixty dollars five times or whatever, then that's yeah, fine. So we, much waited, here, we, yeah. we just talked about the Last of Us two. I mean, it's seven years between one and two, so it's like it, this is basically just waiting. You know, Final Fantasy remake part two essentially is just the same thing as waiting for a sequel. It just feels like everyone's all antsy because it's all under yeah. the same label of Final Fantasy seven remake. Yep. Yeah, and talking yep. about spoilers, I don't think people are going to wait 10 years or whatever to just go and read the Final Fantasy VII wiki to figure out how that, if you're new to the series or something, you know, people are going to go read that story. It's it's there. like It, it exists or play that original game even. So, Right. Uh, it's been out for 23 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think those games will still sell. Um, it's, it's wild that they haven't decided how many parts it's going to be because does that mean they don't know how long part two is or do you that's think they got the that big figured question. out yeah that's right. the, yeah. i think that's the that's big the part, thing you know or, or that uh, you, they don't know how many pieces to split it into on the upside i think they're you can take some things into account uh the development for final fantasy 7 remake was kind of a storied history where they had to like almost re-scrap and start over at some point i yep. feel like yep um yep. where they they kind of switched the the directors and and like team leads on the project right so there's that you probably won't hopefully won't run into that again secondly they're already developing all a lot of assets that they won't have to to redo right like they're not right. going to have to make another right. cloud or Aerith or tifa character models and those sorts of things they now have like a pretty good library of like midgar assets and if you remember you know you don't just leave uh, i don't know if this is spoiler territory but you don't just leave midgar and then never come back there's other places that look like that there's there's ways that they can reuse those assets and and i think development for these other games is going to be a, a bit faster um you know maybe two years i mean if they really jam it out and if they decide like maybe there's a situation where they're like okay maybe they don't all have to be 60 dollars. they could jam another uh, part of that story out in a year i think like it's it's not unimaginable and but you know given like you're saying namura's history uh it could be rough. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 took a while. You know, they took him off Final Fantasy 15. They had to replace him to, <laughs> to get the damn thing done. He He's a legend. I mean, I, I have nothing but respect for him. But uh, uh, for him in charge of this whole thing, it, it does make me a little nervous. Um, but then again, like you said, uh, if they're self-contained, if each one is, you know, standalone, good game by itself, then... I don't know. Maybe they just can keep making these indefinitely until they finally finish it. Tetsuya Nomura, more like Tetsuya Nomura these delays and just make Boom. the second part, please. <laughs> I, I think it'll be very telling to see how long it takes to put part two out. You know, uh, if that if it takes uh, a year, great. I doubt that. Two. It seems to me like more like two years. Uh, any more than that, and it's like, oh god, this is never going to end. As an experienced game dev myself, yes, I'm going to agree. <laughs> two years. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I I love. I'm still playing the remake. I like it. There is a lot of uh, stuff they added. I don't mind it, but it, it does feel like it's lived up to the promise of you know, uh, uh, translating this game and porting this game into uh, the, the modern generation, because uh, as much as I love the old one and I bought it day one, I was, you know, I, I was completely blown away by it. I think it's a classic, but it, it's, it was a game made in 1997. I mean, you, you need to <laughs> redo it. <laughs> I think so far so good, but now it's like, boy, there's a lot of expectations around it. Yeah. And I wonder if like, some of the the criticisms about about bloat wouldn't be there if like you know people hadn't played the original game obviously i think that's like a silly statement to say but yeah but yeah i think there's like an expectation like you said like that first jaunt through midgar is like pretty quick and you move from like one section of that story yeah. at a pretty rapid pace and in this yeah. game it's like I, i'm like man i remember this sequence just being like a walkway and it's now it's like two hours of gameplay well that that donkey video that's now infamous pointed out because i have not played 
the original seven or the remake beyond just the demo that came out like a couple months ago. And the uh, section he pointed out that kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up was that he pointed out the part with the hand or whatever, where in the in the original game, like you're walking through an area in Midgar and it, there's basically like a giant robotic hand that you walk over mm-hmm. as though it's a bridge and like it's over in seconds. Whereas uh, this one now become in this game, it's now a like like a 30 exactly. minute puzzle room yep. where you have to like go around and, and yeah. So, so that type of shit where it seems like if there's, you know, ideas from the original game that they were like, ah, just because of technological limitations of the time, we couldn't fully flesh them out. Then that's one thing. But, but like, I hope that it doesn't become like a George Lucasy, like, <laughs> you know, I, I always wanted there to be 900 aliens walking in front of the camera and most precisely. So now that we have the tech to do that, right. Let's right. do it. You know, and it just feels like filler. But just because you do that doesn't mean that you should. Right. Um, Okay. Well, I think that is it for the news. Let's get to the best part of the show, the questions from you, our viewers on Twitter. Um, And as always, thank you for everybody who responded. Thank you for following us on Inside Gaming. That's at Inside Gaming on Twitter. Um, Let's see. Who should we read to? Oh, Here's the first one I saw. We've read Dylan's before. Number one, the no fan Dylan. Have you found that you're staring at screens more or less due to this quarantine? Oh, more. Def- definitely <laughs> Way more. more. No yeah. question. <laughs> it's gone from 95% to 100%, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, my, I think my phone screen time is down or more, more down, but I think that's just because I, I have days where I, literally start and end of the day sitting here in this chair at my desk in front of these monitors and I'm and I'll you know a week will go by and I'll be like oh fuck I should leave the apartment yeah I I think especially working remotely like my life revolves around screens now I mean it it did before but it it, you know um and and kids having to zoom for their classes and just and and keeping uh, you know uh everyone's cooped up. So just uh, people, I don't know, at least in my house, a lot more people are watching TV or playing video games and just, you know, kind of entertaining themselves. I'm on my switch a lot. I've been Mm -hmm. uh, uh, playing animal crossing a ton, like especially at the end of the month, I've been trying to get my tuna before they leave at the end of April, trying to get a tarantula. I still need like tonight. I have to catch a tarantula or I'm gonna have to wait till November. I'm stressed (laughs) out. Oh wait, they're done after this. Yes, until November. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, and also, I'm I'm curious to see like in in the long run what the kind of larger societal effects of all this are because people are are obviously reacting to this quarantine very differently. Even like regardless of if you know or personally are impacted by COVID, it's like just the aspect of being in lockdown. I think is is really wearing down on some people differently than others. And so, like for instance, I know in my hometown. Um, I can't say with 100% certainty, but I, I just by, you know, social media and stuff, it seems like, um, the local school board has just basically said, fuck it. Like we're done with school for the year because yep, the we're digital, done in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like the digital zoom school is, is so, is just not working. Like it's not working for so many people and like they, they can't like they, they're going to have to like, they, I'm in at least in that one school district or these school districts that are doing it, they're like rewriting the the rubric on how they do this. Like, I, I wonder if, if there will be less focus on like standardized testing after all this is done. Oh, I hope so. But yeah, you're so right. Too, yeah. No, teachers have totally had to convert to, to like online education and like, but that assumes that everybody has a, a, an a internet connection and a computer that can handle that. And it's, it's nuts. And, and I just wonder too, are we going to go back to just going to mass gatherings? Because I'm not really going to be comfortable with that, certainly in the immediate future. And it's always going to be in the back of my mind now. I mean, what did we pass? Just 60,000 deaths today. I mean, more than we lost in Vietnam. Vietnam. It's scary. It's not, and it's not going to like, these things don't just magically go away. There's going to be a second wave and a third wave. And so I I think this is going to drastically change the way a lot of us just live and work all the time. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. Let's see. Lucas Arndt. His name is right side up this time. Least (laughs) favorite video game sequel. Good question. I I will say uh, recently um, I loved Dragon Quest Builders. Dragon Quest Builders 2. Didn't like it as much. Oh, Uh, what? there was some farming stuff in there. I just, um, I don't hate it, but it, it didn't, it didn't hook me the way the first one did. 
Yeah. I mean, I there's there's like very classic examples that like Zelda 2 and um, I think of <laughs> Don't like, you dare. I think of like Bioshock 2 um, going to because like often that yep. sequel will yep. go to a different dev. Um, yep. Pac-Man like World 2 or whatever that was called. I know that's like a classic one. Um, for me personally, that's a tougher question to answer because <laughs> I feel like. I'm just only thinking of good ones, <laughs> like ones that I personally played. I, I, yeah, Zelda Adventure of Link, sort of those 2D sections were not, it wasn't as good as the first one. Totally. Um, yeah. Mar- uh, Mario, Mario Brothers 2, the, at least the mm. one that released in the States, it was interesting, but it was a, a very different game than the original Super Mario. And then 3 kind of brought back the classic gameplay and just absolutely killed it. So Yeah, but 2 know. wasn't disappointing. I mean, there's such a no, love and fervor for that it, game. So. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't disappointing. It was yeah. just, it's interesting to me because it was so different. You're, you're riding eggs and there's no, I don't know, it's just such a different game. Uh, maybe, man, uh, like the... The remade Castlevania games when they had the 3D ones, like maybe one of those sequels is pretty bad. I think that one yeah. got review bombed pretty hard, but I didn't get very far through it, so I can't say. Oh, I guess I guess you're right. Like I was thinking of this in terms of just like the number two, but if you're talking about just a one of the sequels that like tanked the franchise, I mean, there's plenty more examples of that. There's Mass Effect three. The, and- the second the second Dark Souls wasn't as good as yeah, the first one. Yeah. I mean, the, I liked the first, it. I, I don't think it was bad, but I mean, the yeah. first one was just like a classic. And, and I, I don't know. The second one was a lot different. Yep. Um, what else? Let's see. Do you guys have any old... Sl- uh, this is from Justin Chow. Do you guys have any old slash nostalgic games you'd like ported or brought back? For example, Skate 2 or 3 or NBA Ooh. Street. Good question. Mm-hmm. Both of those, for yeah. sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Oh, damn, those are both good. Metal Warriors was this really sick 2D mech game on Super Nintendo. That was rad. Nice. I'd love to see that. Oh, there was an old uh, Super Nintendo game called Aerobiz mm. where you just ran an airline and you just <laughs> like uh, it was just like a sim game. But, you you know, you, you open new flights and you had to sort of adjust the routes and everything. I'm sure there's something like that now, but uh, I haven't played any like that. I love that. I would like to see an updated Aerobiz. I, I, it's been hinted at, but I'm still waiting with bated breath on a uh, switch port of wind waker and uh mario sunshine mm. um just yeah classic nintendo games that i'm surprised haven't been done yet on they Switch. also brought wind waker hd to the wii u i, yeah. I feel yeah. like that could yeah, easily like just... be brought to the switch I, knowing nothing about game development but it seems <laughs> like they ported everything else over from the wii u yeah i think there's probably like a lot of ps1 classics that would be cool to see i you know what in, t- in that vein the way that um, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes handled as like a handled itself as a remaster of the first Metal Gear Solid game. I always really admired the way that they did that because um, that was Crystal Dynamics, I think, and that's a really talented studio giving taking a kind of dusting off a franchise and giving it their own like source of inspo. Um, in the same vein as like Final Fantasy VII remake has just done that, so I'd, I'd be curious to see if they could find other classic PS1 like Siphon Filter or like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd love to see like a reboot of Siphon Filter. That's kind of takes the takes the initial stick, but kind of brings it into the modern era. Because I don't know if you've gone back and tried to play Siphon Filter. Who? Um, not, <laughs> not good. Yeah, I think like I just remember the big thing about that game that everybody was super excited about was that you could just tase people forever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the taser is great. That's all it took. That was the one selling point that you needed in 1998, 97, or whatever. Uh, they, they I, I know there's been a I know there's been a remake or I think there's been an updated but Parappa the Rapper mm-hmm. for PS1 was so fun. Um, I kind of miss the old like Guitar Hero game. I was gonna too. say that too. I uh, see. I'm and maybe I'm a little too close to this one. I've talked about my history working for Guitar Hero on the show before. I, I am. We, it has not been enough time. They just tried to reboot that five years they did, ago. did, and it didn't work. Yeah. And it, it, it was a fucking mess. Um, and I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that. So, like, for me, let Guitar Hero just stay dead for a while. And then, <laughs> and then bring it and back. And then bring yeah. it back, but, like, bring it back in, like, 2030, but with, like, a real emphasis on, like, Grimes and indie rock and, like, fucking cool dance music that's guitar influences. It's just, like, ugh, it's so cool. I don't Those want to those were so massive and they burned so bright for a yep. few years. Yeah. Those and rock band and all that. It just was huge. I, I just remember that was one of those things that were even your friends who didn't really play a lot of video games would have people over to play rock band. It, it was fun. Yeah. Um, okay. This is from dusty booty. 
Or his name is Smoking the Leaf, but he used a maple, a Canadian maple leaf for that. So I don't think you're going to get very high from that, Dusty. Uh, they ask, is it worth getting a Nintendo Switch during this whole quarantine or save my money? Yes. Uh, personally, yes. I, the Switch lights are kind of coming back in stock. That It's only 200 bucks. If you like Nintendo IP at all, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. And save your money for what, right? Like maybe next gen consoles, I guess. Is is yeah. the idea there? The, I mean, I, a lot of people, myself included, are still waiting for a Switch Pro to be announced, which I I am very down with. But at the same time, like we there's that's not even been hinted at beyond more than just kind of like leaked renderings and stuff of what a possible Pro specs might look like. So I think I think you're in that in that realm. Your things are still vague enough on that front that I, I don't think you'd be wasting money. Especially if you did like Brian said and got a Switch Lite, just yeah, if only to be like your quarantine thing right now. Because I've been playing my Switch now more than I have. Yeah, I it, I it literally sat you know turned off in a drawer for the better part of 2019 for me. Um, so now that the Animal Crossing's out and I'm playing through Final Fantasy again and Mario Maker's got the update, like now is a great great time to be a Switch owner. Oh yeah, there's no shortage of, of things to play. And if you're holding out for a Switch Pro, I mean, based on the video I'm working on now and some research I've been doing, like seems like the earliest you would see something like that isn't even until like holiday 2021 or in mm -hmm. 2021 in general. So you at least have a full year uh, to enjoy that thing. And then I don't know, like yeah. it's still a ways to wait. So yeah, and two hundred dollars. That's not too shabby. Yeah, don't it also, deprive yourself. Yeah, time. I mean, it's real strengths or portability um, and, and just the hybrid nature. I think you should be aware of uh, stuff it does well and stuff it doesn't do well. Mm -hmm. It does it does Nintendo games well, obviously. Um, it does some, some indie games that are a little bit older now. Uh, it's great for like Hollow Knight, Stardew Valley, stuff Slay like that. Slay the Spire. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I think its strengths are like platformers and RPGs. You're, you're not going to, but for like, you know, it, it does, but if you want to play Witcher 3 on it, yes, right. you can. I don't know if I would advise it, but yes, you or can. Or any of those other current gen ports, right? I think like yeah, there's a Doom yeah. 1 and some other other games it, that they ported and they're just not going to run as well. Yeah. yeah. It just has limitations. It's and cool it, that it, it can do it, but right. It, but it's, it, yeah, it's just not as powerful obviously as a PS4 or an Xbox one. So, um, I think with that in mind, that's, uh, totally fine. Uh, but, but you have to be aware of what it is and what it isn't. And, you know, it's not going to give the, you the same experience as like a PS4 or an Xbox one. It's just not, but it's way more portable too. So, Keep that in mind. All right. Uh, moving on. This is from Flomish. Flomic. What's your favorite thing to snack on during these times or when you're gaming? Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I snack on? I'm, I'm not really a big fan of, of snacking while I play games. That's a really like serious ritual ritual for me. Like I clean up my living room, <laughs> make sure everything is calm. What's your like, go-to snack? Oh, just in general? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, maybe like, if we're talking about candy, probably like Sour Patch Kids, but if we're talking okay. about like food, I just make a sandwich. Love for the okay. Patch Kids. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like Evan. I don't really eat when I'm playing stuff uh, ever. I mean, I, I almost always do have some sort of beverage though, like whether it be like a, like a, like something alcoholic or a, a cup of, cup of tea or something, or I always have my like gigantic water bottle. That's like always filled to the brim right there. And so it's like, there's always something that I'm reaching for between like loading screens and shit like that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I I'll snack sort of when I'm working or something, I'll, I'll have some pistachios nearby or something like that. I'm, I, I like those a lot. Um, Tyler Gorash asks, what have been some of the positive things about working from home? I can hmm. see my kitty more. Mr. Spoons, where are you? <laughs> Aww. No, my, my cat is 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 the fucking man. He's he's the best. He's like a little dog. He plays fetch. He pants. Uh, Spoons is is the greatest. And I'm I'm not being sarcastic when I say that I, being around him more is has genuinely been a, a joy in these dark times. Uh, and he's thankfully not reacted like a lot of the pets I'm seeing on social media, where it's like, why the fuck are you in my house all day? <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the, the, the best part is seeing like your family and your pets more. And it's also the worst part. (laughs) Well, see, Brian, you're and and you and Evan are both in a very specific situation where you have your family, you have children. um, And there's what I would assume would normally be a a welcome reprieve with them, like off at school or you, you know, hunkered down in your office or wherever it is you work. Like that's, that's something that I don't have any context with. So for me, it's kind of, business as usual but i just feel lazy all the time because i'm not like <laughs> I, i'm just like in my apartment a lot so I, 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 I think it does lead to feeling like just all the days run together though oh yeah. because there's no like weekly cycle as much breaking it up there's no second unclaimed right like every minute yeah. of my time is accounted for and yes. like for better or for worse and yeah it's it's amazing to to get to see my kids all the time but it's also it's it's harder to work, right? Just even like get simple tasks done. It's like, man, I've been writing this email for an hour. <laughs> like that right, right. is not how long this should take. Um, and it, it's hard to adjust, honestly. Like there's ups and downs with it. And I don't know, we're all just hanging in there and we'll get through it. But it, it's it's not like you have to find the silver lining of like hanging out with your family. But it's it's definitely like, like you said earlier, Brian, I think everything's going to change about the way we work. And I think adjusting to it is like a large part of it. I I think a lot of people, too, are probably learning, and this isn't necessarily us, but I think a lot of people are learning they can do their jobs from home. Like, it's not – you don't need to go in. (laughs) It's not – you know, I think there's just that ritual or – I think I, I think it's kind of an old fashioned view of work. You need to be at your desk by eight and, you know, out by five. And I, I think that's just kind of an antiquated view. And hopefully this might change some of that. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it can lead to a very, you know, just being in the house all the time, you can feel claustrophobic. You can feel kind of hemmed in. Um, I, I'm, I feel like this is where Texas really shines though. Cause it's like, Oh, I got like a backyard and the weather's kind of nice. So I can <laughs> at least kind of go in the back and just kind of chill for a second. Yeah. I feel I, for yeah. everyone in New York or Chicago. Oh or, my God. That yeah. would be the worst. Yeah. Like a little 200 square feet apartment to be as, as an apartment in. dweller uh, uh, and with no backyard, but rather a back alley with dumpsters and homeless people. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I've not, I don't think I've ever been so jealous as people with like an, a freshly shorn backyard. Yeah, man. Just to literally just to go walk around in a yard is, is like just, <laughs> just, ca- just catch not Brian every, every day at noon, just circling his yard in a quandary. Like I just have to be outside. <laughs> um, Okay, let's see. Let's do a few more. Uh, DJ Blackstar, play any free-to-play games? Yes, I um, I do sometimes. Hearthstone. Um, and I've been playing Warframe a little bit on Switch. I don't really like the shooting. But uh, some, some free-to-play games, I know they get a bad rap, but some of them, like Warframe, really give you a lot for your free dollar. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's sort mm. of amazing, actually. Yeah, uh, I play Counter-Strike a bit. Um Counter-Strike CSGO is is free to play. Um, I play flick around with Gmon a little bit. Uh, as far as like mobile stuff, I think there's plenty of good stuff there as long as like, we've now, I think, finally gotten past an age of uh, just because it's free to play means that it's bad. Right. Like, Apple, right. Apple Arcade really like I- I've always been like the champion of Apple Arcade on this channel. Oh, I hear like, it's very good. Yeah. I, I, I love Apple Arcade. I still pay for it every month. Um, it's and it's like basically the idea is is that you it's created it's created a, a precedent of like, hey, you can make a mobile game that is substantive and feels like, oh, I could see where they would shoehorn um, free-to-play mechanics in and microtransactions, but we're not going to because yep. you're paying a flat monthly yeah. fee, and it's a very good feeling to play something like, uh, you know, Grindstone or What the Golf or, or or something like that that's like a really popular Apple Arcade game um, and not have that, like, anxiety of, like, Oh, there's about to be this ad that I have to click through. Or, oh, there's, there's, you know, I'm going to get to this part and then have to wait three days to play it again effectively. So I yeah, appreciate I them think, for doing that. I think the key is it, you have to make the free version of the game provide a good value. And then I think that players will go, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll spend three bucks on this one thing. Cause I've already gotten so much out of this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you built up a goodwill, I, I, enough goodwill. I think Fortnite really mastered that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is about phone games. Like, I'll try to jump in, and I'll either go in really, really hard. Like, I was just playing Clash Royale religiously at one point, but then I just, like, fell off completely. And I don't know, it's just kind of the way it is. And, yeah, I have Apple Arcade as well, and it, it's been pretty cool. And even still, though, like, 
I'll download a bunch of games and I'll try to get into them. And I don't know if it's a situation where like for me in terms of my attention span now with kids and everything that like yep. if a yep. game doesn't hook me, like I just can't sit there on my phone or maybe because like Twitter's right there and I can just like jump out of the game and look at something or notification pops up. And so it's generally been killing like my my mobile gaming uh, activity, I suppose. But yeah, like I've like played a lot of League and, and some of those other mobile games and like that stuff is free to play. And, and yeah, I think there totally is value there. Like, and, and I don't think that free to play games should get such a stigma anymore. I think there's like that option paralysis too, when it's mm. just like, you've got so many things you oh, yeah. could play and then you play none of them, or at least I don't, I'll just go onto YouTube and, and dick around for, for an hour. Leagues, leagues, a great example too. And I think that wild riff that's coming out, I'm going to try that. Yeah, like I, I, and I, I still like too, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. Valorant. And I don't know. If, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that all of their games are going to be free to play. Cause it's just like the model that they've built an empire on. Um, but yeah, and then there's also there's the other Valve card games and stuff too. Brian, are you playing that? Um, Archit- uh, what is Didn't it called? Didn't play Artifact. Artifact now, um, uh, there's God. There's one other that's coming. Uh, maybe it was Runeterra, but yeah, I'm I'm still with Hearthstone, although it's uh, they they the meta was sort of crazy. They introduced <laughs> this new class. And it was completely broken, Demon Hunter. And everybody, including myself, just exploited the hell out of it. I made Legend with it. But uh, and now they've uh, had to nerf it. But uh, <laughs> it's it's funny to watch. But I don't know. I'm old. I can only learn so many new things at this point in my life. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to ride with Hearthstone. Also, friendly <laughs> reminder that COD Warzone is free now. Oh, uh, Oh, and it's right. uh, speaking of AAA free experiences, like that's, that's a, as far as I don't care whether you love it or hate it, you're getting a hell of a uh, hell of a product for free if you're. What do you Warzone. What do you play it on? Uh, I play on PS4 only nice. because my PC uh, shit the bed when I tried to run um, COD on it. But I I also had like the full game. You know, I've been playing Modern Warfare since it launched in 2019. So. But but I, I my point played, is played, but I heard good things. Yeah, it's very divisive. Uh, ironically, I think the people that are closest to the game are the ones that hate it the most. I, a oh, lot of people okay. that are in the industry that I know that work on the game or, or, or do marketing for the game or something they uh, are some of its most staunch critics. Um, but like, man, I haven't seen a COD blow up in the like popular zeitgeist. You know, through, you know, so half of TikTok is just COD trolling videos and great Warzone plays and stuff, and, and that's all. I don't know. It's nice to see it because, again, that for for a free to play product, you are getting a hell of a product for nothing. Yeah. Because um, yep. because Warzone is definitely pretty substantive. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I like about stuff like that. It's like if you don't like it, well, you're not out any money. You just got to try. Yeah. It. You just have to uninstall it. So I I do like that, and I, I'm always in favor of like demos and things like that, just to give people. Uh, a, a little bit of a preview. Uh, okay, uh, let's do one more. This is from Nady Boy. What game would make the PS5 or Xbox Series X a must-buy at launch? Um, oh, that's a hard question for, for me because it's I already know. you know, like it's already happening. That's that's yeah. yeah. New Bloodborne, Bloodborne Two. I would probably yes. buy a PS5. Scale bound. Do you think it's likely? Because, <laughs> but like, even though Elden Ring is supposed to be the next thing i don't know do you think we would um, see something about it this summer bloodborne, bloodborne you mean i don't know no idea I, I i think that elden the the for what little we know of elden ring the promise of elden ring is is different enough that i think it, it can exist within a fairly short timeline of of a bloodborne 2 and i i think they would be that, like there has to be something going some gears moving with bloodborne 2 because that first game was just so successful and such a hallmark of the playstation exclusive lineup that like Elden Ring, my understanding is it is not PS4 or PS5, whatever comes out on exclusive, right? Like that'll mm-hmm. be a multi-platform game. Yeah, I guess in terms of mm, a game know. that would make me buy a console, it, it, I guess it's just because it's been such a long time where I've kind of been working in games that I know, I'm just so excited about new game hardware and games in general. Mm. Um, but I think like things that have really motivated me to like actually save my money and stuff is like... I remember when the first Gears of War trailer came out, the gameplay demo for Xbox 360, and I was like, oh, I have to own this, like, now. Like, I can't wait anymore. And then for for PlayStation, it was obviously Metal Gear Solid 4. So it generally tends to be, like, big AAA action games, or even yep. if there's, like, a new IP or something that is, like, 
actiony and big and, mm. and presentation that way. That's usually what was me. Final Fantasy VII was a thing that that like got me to like scheme or convince my brother that we needed a PlayStation. And like he's older than me and like had a job and stuff. So I was basically like giving him to save his money to buy us a PlayStation. That's uh, what made me buy a PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, because that's what made me sort of transition away from Nintendo for the first time because yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy had moved over there and. and if there's a Final Fantasy 16, but it's just for next gen, yes, I would I would buy for that. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the yeah, I, I feel you there. It's 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 the it's not the remakes or like the what's the next entry so much as like you said with Gears of War's reveal trailer, you're like, oh god, like this new IP is so exciting. Yeah, um, and we and we still. I think like it's really easy to forget about like the value of a good new IP, like the excitement that can bring out around a game. But it, I remember like. Uh, when Ghost of Tsushima was was announced, it's like, oh, finally another Sony exclusive IP that's just kicking off. Because, like, that's that's such a good feeling when you see a new IP that's clearly being treated well by, this, yep. by the studios yep. and the publishers. Yep. That is from a storied developer with a pedigree like Sucker Punch with right. Ghost of Big Tsushima. Production values, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and it, like in the same vein as as like Sekiro was you know for Elden Ring where it's kind of a, a different entry from a from a known quantity studio like from um that that type of new, like a new IP adjacent thing is what really I think gets me most excited for the next console gen. All right, there we go. Well, that about does it for send news. Thank you so much. Uh be sure to like the podcast, give us a nice rating, give us a nice comment. Uh it does help. And uh, check out, uh, if you're on the look for a new podcast, Black Box Down is uh, in the works. Or No, they've already launched it at yeah, Rooster yeah, Teeth. Gus Sarola, um, they talk about, I think it's Aviation Mysteries, Chris Demarius. So give that a listen, too, if you're in the market. Uh, if you like kind of true crime mystery type stuff, uh, think about adding that one as well. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Bye.